it doesn't all have to be correct in the first prompt and it won't be so we don't have to write a five page prompt or even a five paragraph prompt for the large language model we can start with a question or we could start with having them to create something and then massage it along the way have guide it have it put it together in a different way add examples remove this that and so it could be an iterative process that we don't have to go in knowing all the answers and having everything perfect on the front end the digital to learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning digital to learn is brought to you by the center for learning and innovation at indiana wesleyan university thank you for joining us and now the digital to learn podcast welcome to the digital to learn podcast I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. Hi, Brad. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, I've got a Star Wars joke. So I've heard. In honor of our guest, what did the dentist say to Luke Skywalker? I don't know, Brad. What did he say? May the floss be with you. I never know how to respond to these. i got to have my own arsenal. A good belly laugh oh, would I'm be sorry. the answer to that question. <laughs> Uh, I can. You can do better than <laughs> but that. But I won't. We okay. are back. Okay. It's part two with Jason Johnston of the University of Tennessee. It's great to have you back, Jason. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you. For our listeners, if you didn't have a chance to catch part one, please go back and tune in. Otherwise, we're continuing that conversation. There are two books. Actually, both of them are sitting on my desk. I'm looking at them. One by Matt Miller, AI for Educators, and one by... Fitzpatrick, the AI classroom. And I was really okay. excited to see earlier this week that those two gentlemen uh, came together to host a webinar. And in that, everything they said supported what you're sharing here about this flipped assignment. So hopefully we're through the podcasts, through the books, mm -hmm. the words being spread. And I think as we saw through the pandemic that we will surprise ourselves. We will get sure. through this. Right. We will adapt and yeah. we can be hopeful about that. And teachers are very adaptive. We've adapted through, I hear about people saying, oh, AI is going to ruin education. You know what? They said the same thing about the internet. They said the same thing about the television. They said mm -hmm. the same thing about the radio. I don't think it's going to happen. Teachers are adaptive, but we do need to learn how to be flexible. Mm -hmm. We do need to continue to keep in mind that um, we have a job to turn some of these threats into opportunities and to go deeper, as you said. Yeah, that's great. So again, we could do a whole podcast on AI ethics, AI assignments, mm -hmm. every little facet of AI and education. But if you could just give us your early take on strategies for ensuring that students are using AI tools ethically and responsibly, how can we encourage that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think and. It's particularly hard, and I answer this question knowing that there are all sorts of different disciplines out there. This is more difficult to do in some than others. There's some disciplines where the actual product that they're making is part of the discipline. If you're in a writing and rhetoric um, degree program, that is what you're doing. You're doing writing, right? So you can't just flip everything and don't expect the, the students to do writing. But that being said, that one of the first places I think to start for teachers is just to be really clear about expectations on the front end. Mm -hmm. 
I think that as we go into a classroom, I think we need to assume that students have access to it and will continue to have access. It's just showing up everywhere, right? My high schoolers, I asked them about access to AI and they were like, yeah, just for most of my classmates, it just showed up in Snapchat last week. You know what I mean? So it's not even they're going to look for it. It's just there and just available to be used. So going into the classroom, assuming that students have access to this, but also we don't ever want to make the assumption with students that they are tech, technologically savvy. I think that's a misnomer about students that they necessarily know how to use something well. So expectations on the front end, having some clear policies about when and how and why you're going to use AI or don't use AI in your classroom. And then um, giving opportunity to model it well in a for instance, a writing and rhetoric. I don't know. I didn't take, this was not my degree background. So I'm just, I'm just using it as a random example. But, but talking about how there's a couple of maybe proper places to use AI for uh, maybe uh, a certain step in brainstorming, maybe not the first step, but maybe a second step in brainstorming, maybe as a place to, to get a first draft out to AI to get some feedback on, where it's maybe not proper to use it, which is to write your entire essay for you. And so these are the things that maybe are, we think are obvious to us, but they're not going to be obvious to students. Unless we say that these are things that are not allowed in our classroom, then let's not assume that they understand this and they think that this is, they're on the same page that, that we are. So imagine we have a faculty member listening to this this podcast thinking, hey, this AI sound, stuff sounds pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd like to include it in some of my courses. Mm-hmm. How do I get started? What are some of the challenges and limitations that I might face? Yeah, that's a great question. The, And I think the place always to get started is just to experiment. You're not going to break anything. At this point, AI is not connected into... Any physical realities like traffic lights or launch codes or anything like that. And so they're not going to break anything serious, right? And so the biggest thing is just for the instructors just to think like a a student again and learn and try their assignments in AI. Pretend they're a student trying to cheat in their class or trying to complete different assignments using different kinds of large language models. I encourage a use to understand the, the biggest ones that are out there, open AI, what that kind of feels like versus BARD, which is Google's LLM, versus what it feels like to do something in Bing, which is directly connected to the internet, but uses chat GPT, how they respond in different ways, what you can produce from them and what are the limitations. And I think that when they start doing that, both their awareness of how it could be used and abused inside of their classroom, as well as their own awareness of how this could be functional for myself to maybe do some time savings aspects or to be able to model good use of AI in my teaching and learning would be. thinking about what you said earlier about some of the loudest voices are on LinkedIn in terms of those that are early adopters and are excited and have 
so many examples to share of how this can yeah, be yeah. used, like endless examples every day. Endless. And wondering how that feels for the hundreds of faculty, at least at our institution and likely at yours too, who are in the middle and who could be overwhelmed pretty easily by the amount of options that are available. Other than trying out the tool, which I think is great advice, are there certain resources or trainings that you're aware of that you would encourage folks as they're getting started to turn to, maybe people that are influential in this area, journals, anything? Yeah, that's great. Great question. One of my favorite people to follow who is on the front end of this is Ethan Mollock. And I could send you a link for that, put in show notes. And uh, out of the Wharton School, they actually did like a four, I think it's four part video series specifically for instructors. He has a really balanced approach to using AI in the classroom. Would line up probably with most of what he says. It's a great place to start in terms of resources, I would say, because you're right. There's a lot out there right now. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've seen a bit of his work. And I think one of my favorite parts to keep from getting overwhelmed is he usually posts one example at a time. And it's an in-depth example with screenshots. And it's not just, here's a hundred things to try. It's here's one. Now here's another one. (laughs) So that we can really internalize that. I would say that sometimes his posts particularly are really in-depth though as well. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you look up on the OpenAI website, they have an educational page with some um, direction for people. And what they put on there from Ethan Mollick is too in-depth. They were thinking like a programmer or something when they put this in there. It's not the right starting place for teachers. It was like this huge prompt to do all these things. And I think the biggest thing is that we just have to realize that it is a language model. We can go back and forth with this language model to tweak and to guide what it is that we're trying to get out of it. It doesn't all have to be correct in the first prompt, and it won't be. So we don't have to write a five-page prompt or even a five-paragraph prompt for the large language model. We can start with a question, or we could start with having them to create something and then massage it along the way, guide it, have it put it together in a different way add examples, remove this, that. And so it could be an iterative process that we don't have to go in knowing all the answers and having everything perfect on the front end. I love that. I'm going to add a bonus question if I'm allowed to. Am I allowed to do that? Fine by me. I don't know if you're looking at me or... (laughs) Anybody to stop me. I object. Since you are executive director and, and part of your title is course production, and for those that missed it, for the University of Tennessee, I was wondering in terms of course production, we talked about the flipped assignment possibility. Is there anything else that our course design friends, our learning experience design friends should be thinking about with some of the advancements in AI as they continue their work with course production? Yeah. And we've been have a lot of uh, conversations with our instructional design team about this but cautiously stepping into this world, (laughs) really. And my cautions, I would give the same cautions that I do to my team, which is let's be transparent about our AI use and let's not overstep our bounds. Instructional designers, for instance, or media people are not supposed to be content experts. We're supposed to be content agnostic. And we step into a space in collaboration with a subject matter expert to help them achieve their goals And so we need to be very cautious that we don't get connected with a a faculty member and 
plant pathology. And then all of a sudden we're creating like plant pathology assignments for them because we now can just ask ChatGPT, hey, create a plant pathology assignment for me. Yeah. That's not the point here. However, there are ways in which AI can help us with the process, help us maybe refine things, help maybe with some of that busy work of formatting and coming up ideation. I think it's a great place to ideate, but I think everybody is going to be better served on the front end if we be transparent about it. So if you're going to use OpenAI to ideate around assignments, why don't you do it in your weekly meeting with your subject matter expert? Open it up and you're working on it together and you're coming up with ideas and you're selecting the ones that they want to select. You're not pretending to be a, a subject matter expert. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Tiffany, I'm going to add a second bonus question, but it's going to go to you. Oh. Talk a little bit about what you're doing with the doctoral students in relation to AI. Yeah, we have a uh, doctorate of business administration program at Indiana Wesleyan. It's uh, primarily online. There are residencies as well. And in their final course, it's on current issues for virtuous organizations. And Hmm. these students, it's a four credit hour course. And it's in a problem-based learning format. So they're in problem-based learning teams that they've been in for about three years prior. So their final class, they get there. And we decided in January of 2023 to change up the scenario. I say we. I've never taught in the in business administration prior. But because it was AI, I had a chance to be involved. But we rewrote the program as this problem or opportunity of generative AI in higher ed inviting the doctoral students to contribute to some of the solutions that we come up with as an institution to help them define the problem, explore the problem, and propose solutions. It's been really neat. And in fact, in one of the assignments, they have a chance to test their critical thinking skills against chat GPT. So they actually conduct a literature review and then have chat GPT do the peer review. And then they have chat GPT do the literature review and they conduct the peer review all with the same prompts. So it's not a perfectly mm. clean study, as my psychology friends have mentioned. But the point was, there is some learning that can happen. It was very eye-opening, low stakes, easy opportunity for them to get acquainted with the technology and reflect on just where it is in comparison to their own critical thinking skills. And then later in the course, they are submitting resources, training resources for faculty and instructional designers and It's a lot. (laughs) There's this huge Mm. problem that we are all talking about in our community. So to throw it in a four credit hour class and basically ask these students to solve it is mean. But no, anything that comes from that class has been really valuable. And we're picking and choosing from some of the assignments they've submitted and using that to conduct our very own faculty trainings. That's cool. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Do you guide what tools they use and... Do you provide any tools for them to use? It's a great question. We, at this point, because of how many options there are, and some of my colleagues, even Mike here, who's the producer on the podcast, said, what about these ones, these AI tools? And I think we felt like some of them, it's their first their first exposure to the tool, at least where we are now in the world. With So we just decided on one. Okay, here's a free one, ChatGPT. We're all going to do it so that we can all compare our work. But in the end, when they produce some kind of training resource for faculty, we say, now you can use whatever you want. We've been introducing you to some articles along the way, whether or not you read them, we don't know. 
whether or not you're exploring tools on your own, we don't know. But for the training resource, do whatever you like. And honestly, my favorite one was just last week. Um, a group of students submitted a Canva web page. They used Canva AI for in part, and then they used their own creativity and application as well. And in partnership with Canva, had a really neat training tool and learned an AI tool in the process mm. and opened my eyes to, I have a free Canva account too and a paid one. So this is something that I could actually do. Yeah. It's was mail that, hour. Was that you barking? It's me. Yeah. I'm getting excited. Oh, I'm howling at the moon at this point. Yeah. That was me. That was a bark of a, that was a bark of agreement. <laughs> right. Amen. That <laughs> hey, thanks for being with us today. You were so thoughtful in everything you shared. And I think I've given our listeners some great perspectives, me as well, on, on how all these things tie together as we teach to serve others. Right? Yeah, exactly. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.